You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. Open your Bible, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll be looking at verses 3 and 4. But as you get there, I've been considering this week the idea of service. To serve. And if you look at some definitions, it's the idea of the action of helping or doing work for someone. Pretty, pretty basic. But when I consider the idea of service from a Christian perspective, there's something deeper than just helping someone or doing something nice. In service, there seems to be an idea of selflessness or self-giving. Doing something for somebody else, something that requires sacrifice, if you will. And so when I think about service from that perspective, it it takes on this bigger dynamic, a bigger thing. So we're going to think about what does it mean to serve? What does this call to serve looks like? But I want you to think about this idea. A life lived only for self is a life that may bring momentary pleasure but will not bring eternal satisfaction. Hear that again. A life lived only for self is a life that may bring momentary pleasure, but will not bring eternal satisfaction. And so when we live our lives only for ourselves, obviously there are times that we do have to do things for ourselves, of course. But if we live our lives only for ourselves, only for what we like, only for what's good for us, we may have some pleasure here on this earth, but we will not have eternal satisfaction. And so I want you to consider that and think through it and think about what it means to serve selflessly. Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Father, this morning may you show us what it means to serve in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want us to consider three categories, if you will, of service. Types of service that we see in this life and in this world. But as you get there, as you see in Philippians chapter 2, because I want this to kind of set the stage of what Christian service should look like, no matter the category, there is an other's orientation. In Philippians 2, you see that. 
that we are not doing things out of selfish ambition, but we're counting others we're more significant than ourselves. Not looking to my own interest, but the interest of others. So that's a type of service that's selfless. And so when we look at these categories, as a Christian, how do you live that out? The first category of service would be what I'd call, what could be called universal service. Now universal service is something that all people can do. Non-Christians or Christians, it's a type of service for the common good of those around us. And so, on a Veterans Day, this weekend, we consider the service of men and women for this great nation. That's a universal service. I was thinking about this, that in the year after 9-11, over 131,000 people join active duty. Another 72,000 join the reserves. Up to a quarter million people served in the military or joined the year after 9-11. Think about that sacrifice. And over 7,000 post-9-11 have died as a part of that. And then an even more sobering thought, in those years since, there have been over 30,000 soldier suicides. And I just want to, as an aside here, I think this is important, because that's heartbreaking. And it's important that we, as God's people, as a church, we, we support men and women who have served. Because when we think about it and we just kind of say, oh, thank you for serving, we sometimes forget the great mental, physical, emotional, spiritual sacrifice that's been made. 30,000. And so we have to always look for ways as, as people, as Christians, how do we support these men and women? How do we help them get the mental help they often need? Again, if we say that we want to support and honor, then we need to do that well as people and as a nation. We think about that service. We think about the service of first responders. I'll put teachers in there. Other community service or servants. Universal service includes volunteering the things that you do to better our communities. Now again, all people can serve in this way. And listen, most nonprofits, they survive not because of paid staff, and we put the church in here too. They survive because of people that serve voluntarily, right? Now, I want to add a Christian element to this because if, as we serve our communities, as we make our communities better, we are shining the light of Christ, right? We are the salt and the light. So as we strive for the common good, and as we bring the community up, we are shining the light of Christ. Listen, we should always, Strive for the common good of those around us. We don't just retreat 
So we try to make things better. And so some people serve in politics. That's a place of service, right? To make society better. We serve. But in the second category of service, it's probably what's more relevant this morning for us, is what we'd call faithful service. This is the service of Christians in the church and outside of the church. We are called to serve other people, aren't we? As God's people, we are called to serve. We are called to use our gifts and abilities to serve others. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so the big idea here, the one ways that we faithfully serve, we serve within the church, within the body of Christ. We use our gifts and abilities to serve. And Think about all the different ways that you can serve, and I won't name them all, so don't be offended if I don't mention one that's near and dear to you. We have people that are teaching, we have people that are playing music and singing, using their abilities. We have technology. We have security. We have people that are mow our lawn and fix things within the church. People that serve in our kitchen. Again, our preschool, our nursery. People that work with our finances. There's so many areas that people serve, right? We are called to do that. We are called to serve in the church. And there's so many other areas. But the reality that we want to see and remember is that God has gifted each one of you, and myself, He's gifted each of us to use our gifts. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter your age. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, young or old, God has given you a gift to use for His kingdom. Now, what happens when not everybody uses their gift? Because the truth is, it doesn't matter what church you go to, and this is the statistic, right, or the idea that you always have a minority of people that serve, and a majority that don't. That's just all places, it seems. And so what does it mean when some people don't use their gifts and abilities for the kingdom and for the church? Well, what that means is that you may be depriving someone of a blessing, right? God's put you here. He's given you abilities. So if you don't use those abilities for His greater purpose, you may be depriving being deprived of a blessing and being a blessing. Think about that. And so then what happens? Then other people have to fill a need. Okay, but then what happens? Then it means that there are people that aren't really called to do something and they do it because they want to help. They're filling a need that maybe God's called someone else to do. And now that person gets burned out. Listen, that happens all the time. 
And so the idea is, if you aren't using your gifts for the kingdom, we're short-circuiting the way that God's designed it. If you're here, God's given you a purpose in a local church. What's your purpose? And let's listen, sometimes that changes in your life. You may not be able to do the same thing that you once could. I say this a lot. Because sometimes the, the comeback is, well, pastor, I can't do that anymore. Okay. But God can give you a new place of service. God can still use you. And I'm always reminded when I see people of all different age categories, physical abilities, using their gifts. So if you're here, God's given you a gift, are you using it? Are you serving within the church? But then another aspect of service is outside of the church. Missions, evangelism, outreach, intentional gospel engagement. We are all called to do that. This is a job for all believers. If you're a believer, you're called to serve other people outside to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not simply for the pastor or staff or deacons or whoever it may be. This is for all people. Everybody's called to go and share the gospel. And we have intentional ways that we may do this. Vacation, Bible schools, and outreach. We have our Good News Club. We do our backpacks with food in it. A lot of different ways that we serve. I just think about Operation Christmas Child that we had this, this past week. And thank you, by the way, for all the things that you brought. And thank you, Miss Charlotte, for putting that together. You see, that's, a, that's outreach and missions. And we're called to do that. But again, the reality is that if we don't all take up that call, if we're always looking for somebody else to do something, then we're short-circuiting God's design. And sometimes people say, well, Pastor, I, I think we need to be doing this, or I need, think we need to be doing that. And many times that is exactly true. But people have to step up and respond to that call. Not a call from me, but a call from God. And so oftentimes as a pastor, what I will do is you, when God speaks to a person's heart and says we need to do X, Y, or Z, many times that's God's call to that person to help begin that. To do that, to serve in that way. Remember what Jesus said? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So if we want to do more as a church, we pray that God would send the people that can fulfill that. But again, if you're not using your gifts to reach the community... If I'm not using my gifts to reach the community, guess what? We're missing. We're missing something. 
And so we faithfully serve. We need to serve within and without. Are you using your gifts to serve? And then the third category would be appointed service. We are all called to serve, but within the church, God does call certain people for certain roles, certain jobs. And so we often think of pastors, and this morning we're going to focus also in on deacons, pastors and deacons. So if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, you can turn there. In that first section of Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy, it talks about overseers, and we would call this pastors or shepherds. God has called the church to have pastors and shepherds. Shepherd would be what a pastor does. They shepherd God's people. And so God and His plan, He, again, has called pastors. And you see in chapter 3, the qualifications or the idea for these, these men. He says, listen, if anyone inspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. And so these are the qualifications for a pastor, overseer, shepherd. And this idea, what does a pastor do? A pastor is one who, again, leads God's people, shepherds them. He helps them, he guides them, he teaches them. But a pastor is not domineering, not controlling, not a CEO. Again, a shepherd. And shepherds love the flock, they, they lead and they guide. But I want to say this too. Pastors come and go, but the church remains. In this history, I'm the eighth pastor of Richland Hills Baptist Church. And many of you have seen, some have seen all of the pastors, or majority. And so a pastor does not, cannot be the main personality of the church. It can't be the reason that people come. Because again, pastors come and go. And so a pastor is equipping, or should be equipping, that should be hopefully what I can do, is to equip God's people to serve. 
That's what pastors do. They equip. And again, I'm not telling you I'm not going to be here anytime soon. I have no plans of leaving. But it's the reality. It's the reality that hopefully churches outlive a pastor, right? That should be the plan. You want that. That's, that's a good thing. If pastors die with the church, with, with church, well, if churches die with the pastor, then that means that the church wasn't living up to its potential. And so pastors equip, they shepherd, they walk alongside of God's people. And then we see a second type of appointed service, and that of deacons. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus or in Christ Jesus. And so there we see all the different qualifications. But I've said this before, and it always bears repeating, that this list is not meant to be a checklist or a sort of exhaustive list. This is a character exam, if you will. These are guides to character. Saying, what type of man do you have called as the deacon? What is their character like? the same with the pastor what is a pastor's character what kind of person is this and so whether it be for pastor or deacon you always ask what is this person's character are they well thought of do they have strong character are they people of integrity and so in that passage, that's what we have to look at. And so our deacons, we always should look at that. When we select deacons, are these men of integrity? Do they have strong character? Trustworthy? Now what do deacons do? There's one big difference, or there's several, but a real big difference in the list of pastors and then deacons. Do you know one thing that pastors are called to do that deacons aren't necessarily called to do? Teach. Did you see that in there? That it doesn't say that deacons must be able to teach. Now some of our deacons do teach, and that's good. But deacons do not have a teaching, don't have to have a teaching role in the church. And they can. That's not a part of their calling. Deacons serve. Again, they're not the overseers. They're the servants. Now, all people can serve, as we've seen. And so one of the ways that I look at the deacons, they should be 
model servants. God does set apart and appoint some, I believe, to be model servants, to show the church what it looks like to serve faithfully. And to also assist the pastor. We see that in Acts chapter 6. When the early church was getting started, a lot of different things were happening. There was a need for men to serve. Acts chapter 6. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the number of full number of disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so there you see that deacons are called, again, to serve. So that the pastors and leaders, I believe you can see that from there, that they're able to do the things that God's taught, called them to do, to preach, to share the gospel. And so as a church, that is the way that our church functions. That's what our deacons do. They serve. Now, they can be a support and are a very much so to me a support. Again, men that I trust that I could go to, they serve. And so deacons are called to serve. And that's, what, again, what we look for as a church. We look for men who serve. Again, that will be model servants. Now, I want you to see, if you think about these roles, and this is very important to me to say it, that appointed service is not qualitatively different than everybody's service. And what I mean by that is it's not a difference of character. It's not a difference of spirituality. Nowhere do you see this idea that God finds all the most spiritual people. He says, okay, they're going to be the pastors. And okay, the, the next level of spiritual are the deacons. No. That's not it at all. A pastor does not mean he's more knowledgeable, more faithful, more spiritual. It's simply a role that God calls some people to. It's God's wisdom. I would argue that some of the most faithful people in Christian history were not pastors, were not deacons. They were faithful followers of Jesus. And so the reason I say that, because there's two sort of things that you should realize. Pastors should never become puffed up. Deacons, hey, look at me. I must be real smart because I'm a pastor. Or I'm a deacon, so I must be a little bit better than everybody else. That is very far from the truth. 
So we should never be puffed up. It's simply that God has selected people for certain types of ministry. It's an act of grace. It has nothing to do with you or anybody else that's called to a certain role. It doesn't have anything to do with me. It's God's grace. God's equipped people for certain roles. But then the other thing that we take from it is we also don't put people on pedestals. We also don't put the pastor. Now, yes, pastors and teachers are going to be held, again, to a higher standard. We saw that in James by what they teach. That's true. But we should never put pastors or deacons or leaders on a higher pedestal. We should never worship them, if you will. And I see that happen. What happens when you put someone on a pedestal? They will eventually fall off. And so we don't put anyone on a pedestal. Listen, I am the same as everybody else. I have my own struggles, difficulties, trials. The deacons are just like you. Difficulties, trials. And so, yes, we respect and honor, but we also don't put them on a different playing a different category. As we think about all these ways of service, why do we serve? Why do we serve selflessly? Why do we put the needs of other people above ourselves? I want us to, again, to close with that reason. We were in Philippians chapter 2, but the passage goes on. You're very familiar with it. This is again, you don't do anything from selfish ambition. Look out not only to your own interest, but the interest of others. And here's why. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself by becoming by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Jesus showed the ultimate servant's heart he gave his life for us and so the reason that we serve, the reason that we give our lives, the reason that we gather together is because of what Jesus has done. He died on a cross for you and for me, for our sin. He took our punishment, took our place. So that if we believe in Him, we can have eternal life. That's the gospel. And so when you accepted Jesus, when you became a follower of Jesus, you and I should have a heart of gratitude for what He's done. And so then we live our lives trying to serve other people 
using our gifts to serve people. Not for our own glory, not for what we'll get out of it. But you know this. Many times you don't get anything at all out of service, do you? In fact, many times it's difficult. It's hard. It can be challenging. There are things that pop up in, when you're serving that you don't like. I, I have to say this, because it, just, it was a picture of it this morning. Braden, you were playing the drums, playing your heart out on those drums, and those drums kind of broke on you. And sometimes service is like that, though. And you know what you did? You kept playing. You figured out how to do it. And that's, that's service. That's what you do in service. It doesn't all go the way that you like. But you keep going. Why? Because Jesus kept going for us. And so, we only burn out when we take our eyes off of Jesus. When our eyes are on Jesus, we don't burn out. But what happens is we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start doing things that maybe He's never called us to do or we begin to do things out of our flesh. If you're feeling burned out on service, turn your eyes back on Jesus. Not on yourself, not on others, but on Him. Are you serving to the best of your ability? Let us pray. Father, as we consider your word, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the great sacrifice of the cross. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would show us ways that we can serve. Lord, maybe there's someone here that, Lord, that's here in this place that you've called to be here. Maybe they, or maybe they're not serving in the way that you've called them to. Lord, may this message this morning maybe inspire someone to use their gifts in a way that would be good to this body, but also to our community. Lord, if that's the case, may you stir someone's heart this morning. But Lord, we also want to pray for our leaders, deacons and others, Lord, that are, have special roles, or unique roles, is a better word. Lord, may you encourage our deacons Lord may they be strengthened to be the model servants that you've called them to be Lord we we know that every single person that's here is here for a reason and Lord may you remind us why we're here Lord show us in Jesus name Amen